0: Welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable Is Okay Podcast. I'm your host Chris Desmond. This is the show where we try and figure out how to get better at doing the hard stuff that makes life exciting. Speaking of making life exciting and doing hard stuff, I'm joined by a previous guest today, uh, Paul Watkins, who you'll remember from episode 258 of the podcast, The Body Whispers Before It Screams. Paul epitomizes doing hard stuff and... He leads what is a pretty exciting life. He wears a lot of hats. He's an adventurer. He's a businessman. He's a dad. He's a forklift driver. He's a personal trainer. He's not an athlete though. And you'll find out why he's not an athlete today. But I really suggest that you go back and have a listen to episode 258. It doesn't need to happen before this one. But it's well worth your while. What Paul and I discussed today are labels for ourselves so how we label ourselves and how that affects how other people perceive us but also how we label ourselves and how it affects how we perceive ourselves. We talk about playing the long game, we talk about mindset and obviously we talk about getting out there and getting uncomfortable as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to have a listen in and get uncomfortable with Paul and I today. Paul Watkins, welcome back to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast.
1: Chris, how you doing?
0: (laughs) I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you going?
1: Yeah, good. I'm excited to be back. It's it's been weeks, but it feels like a few days.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's been that long since we chatted last, but probably over a month, actually.
1: Yeah, it doesn't feel like that. It, I don't know whether it's because you get older, time goes faster or something like that, but it feels like, it, like I spoke to you last week.
0: Mm. That's an interesting concept, actually, and we'll get into, into things later. But those mates that you haven't seen for, for years, and then mm. you just catch up with them, and basically it's like you haven't spent any time apart at all, other than yes. the kind of catching up on what's been going mm. on, is that you slot back into, into the vibe that you have with them
1: yeah I've, heard, I've I've got a very close friend who we do that we we generally catch up once a year and that's and we've done that for probably nearly 20 years and but we can we can see each other for that couple of days once a year and within like ten minutes we're straight back into the deeper meaningfuls and the the, the how's your life and what's happening and that kind of stuff and I, I really value that kind of friendship where you can just slot straight back into it we don't need to have you know we're not touching base every week or have you it's just that once a year and it's a really good connection so they're really valuable those things
0: yeah for sure and we might talk more around that later on but Everyone should go back and have a listen to the last episode that we recorded. I use the title as one of the quotes that you gave me during the episode is that (laughs) the body whispers before it screams. It's an awesome story. But for people that haven't listened to that one and are sitting and having a listen to this one now, can you nutshell Paul Watkins for (laughs) me? And this is going to segue nice into the topic that I want to talk about.
1: I often say to people, if you look at my resume, you read my bio, it's all very alpha male. If you just look at it on the on paper, it's all, you know, I've climbed big mountains on seven continents. I've, I've raced in some of the toughest races in the world and done all this kind of stuff. And you, you would have an expectation of going, if you're going to meet me for the first time having read that, you'd kind of expect some Chuck Norris slash Bear Grylls guy to walk in. And then I appear in person and they're kind of like, that guy looks like he's just stepped off the Harry Potter set. Like, he doesn't look like they're going, like, what? what's gone wrong here? So, on paper, my athletic background sounds alpha male, but in in reality, I'm more kind of, you know, boy wizard shape and, and appearance. So, I like the fact that I'm a little incongruous and a little unconventional in that sense. So, I'm a nerd by, by craft and trade. I've, you know, that, that's been me all my life and I, I don't consider myself to be an athlete, but... Growing up, I was a nerd. I got into a pharmacy as a career. I've been in multiple businesses. Just, I always joke that as a pharmacist, I made a far better businessman than I did as a pharmacist. had big, successful businesses and just found myself getting really, really burnt out um, on, a, on a major scale. And as a way to deal with that, as a bit of escapism, I, I got into really basic tracking and that took me into mountain climbing and that took me into adventure racing and ultra marathons. And that's led me to end up spending time in some of the most remote and and fascinating parts of the world, racing, climbing, trekking, and running it or doing all those kinds of things. And in amongst all that, I've also had time to get married and become a dad and I'm trying to juggle now all those different roles that i think people my age kind of going through the 30s into their 40s suddenly find themselves being you know split personalities of you know husband dad father career personal goals life stuff you want to do going where the hell do i fit into all this kind of stuff so that's been my journey up and up until now and um in the the kind of the, the the cliff notes two minute version it's
0: a, it's a good synopsis. You've done that before, haven't you?
1: Well, the funny thing is, every time I've done it, it's slightly different. But, but That gives you the underlying themes. Go back and listen to the podcast. That'll give you the better answer.
0: It will, it will. I mean, that's an interesting concept as well, is that every time you're doing something like that, you do it slightly differently. And I was a, a guest on a podcast the other day, and it hasn't come out yet. But one of the things that I, I found myself saying is that I really enjoy being on something like this and, and getting asked questions because I find out new stuff about myself every time I do it yep. because every time is slightly different and, and every time there's a new kind of connection that gets made in my head and I understand myself a little bit better so I can articulate, kind of it's, a, it's an evolving articulation of, of what's going on with me at the time.
1: Yeah, I think it is because you evaluate where you're at through the lens of your current experience so you know if you asked me that synopsis a year ago versus five years ago what have you that'd be totally different because my frame of reference and my understanding of some of the things that I've done and have gone on in my life and and maybe I look back now and go, oh, that's why you behave that way or did this or did that as you kind of garner more life experience it allows... I do think, like, in the the short term, you get a different answer each time just because you're remembering different parts. But in the longer scheme, it's nice to look back at how your understanding of what you've done changes based on your present scenario.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, and you look back kind of 10 years down the track and you think, oh, at the time I thought it meant that, but actually it means this.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like the fact that I look back now and like the me of 10 years ago and 20 years ago is almost unrecognizable in some ways, but I think that's really, really good. And I'd be probably horrified if I looked back and said, the the me of a decade ago or 15 or 20 years ago is identical to the me of today. Like what a mm. horrific waste of that time that would be. I like the fact that I can go, we've come a long, it might be a circuitous route, but we've come a long way from where we were as a person at that time.
0: Yeah. And there's a quote that's floating around out there and I cannot remember who said it originally, but I have a feeling it was Bruce Lee maybe, but It was, I pity the man who is the same at 50 as he was at 20 because Mm -hmm. he's just wasted 30 years of his
1: life. Yeah. And it is. It's, I mean, and it's not always good things. It's not always saying that, oh, if you haven't achieved X, Y, or Z in the next 10 years, you're an epic failure. It's just, have you had experience? And some of those may be positive or negative, but what have we garnered from it and how's it changed you and what have we got out of that? So I think people sometimes get hung up on the success thing of going, well, if you're not a millionaire by this age or you haven't built this business by that age or you're not in the house with the picket fence and the three kids and all that, or got that car by that age, you failed. No, just have you moved from where you were. Have you grown through whatever happened in that time? That's the tech. Yeah,
0: definitely. And yeah, keeping that in mind is is important. One of the topics that I wanted to get into today as well is that the fact that you, you wear many hats, I wear many hats. There are a lot of people out there that do a, a lot of different things and, and have a lot of different responsibilities. And we were chatting before we started recording that. Probably the way that the world is going is that we're only going to have more hats to wear mm. rather than fewer. And talking about my granddad is that when he was in his in his working life, he was a father, he was a husband, he was president of the tennis club as well. But and he worked in the same job for for twenty five mm. years. I mean, we're, we're getting to the point where we're doing multiple multiple jobs at, at once. We have multiple responsibilities as well, and and often we define ourselves by these responsibilities that we we kind of think that, hey, this is who I am. I'm a physiotherapist or I'm a pharmacist or I'm a stay-at-home dad. How do you think about that in terms of kind of the, the language that you use to describe yourself to start with?
1: So I think how you define yourself becomes very important primarily for you And then it also becomes important as a yardstick for other people. And I think we talked about this last time, how when I give, people ask me what I do, the answer I give them if, it, if it's a different answer, they use it as a yardstick to measure my values. So, if you say you're a pharmacist or a physiotherapist, they have an expectation. You've got a degree, you're probably in this kind of money, you probably drive that kind of car, tick, tick, tick. If you say you're a doctor or what have you, if you say you're, you know, I drive a fourth lift in the warehouse, which is true, I'm a personal trainer, which is true, they have a different set of like these little wheels tick and they value you in a different way. When you give them a job that doesn't have a pay number attached to it, I'm a stay at home dad, you can see all the wheels fall off the bandwagon and they're like, oh Oh, that's great you must love that what else do you do like because all of a sudden i don't know how to value like you're you're a doctor you earn x dollars and and you're worth this to society Uh, if you're a warehouse guy or a trainer or whatever you earn this you've got this kind of degree or education therefore you slot into blue collar white collar whatever but when you give them an answer that they can't pigeonhole or, or put a value on it gets really interesting people kind of oh, okay, so do you do that because you have to or does your wife work or you can't work or what, what else do you do and those kind of things. So I find that interesting in you have to be very, very comfortable in how you define yourself and not put too much weight in how other people will define you. Um, they're going to do that and that's their thing. good for them. Be comfortable, hey, I do this and I do it because I love it and, and it brings me great joy and I feel I have great value in doing that. And, and if you think that's great or not, I'm that's me. I define myself in that way. Yeah. And have you
0: always had the the comfort around defining yourself in a certain way and and not caring about what other people think of that?
1: No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, I think I you know in my early stages of my career like I was a pharmacist and a business owner and property developer and all those things that had the connotations attached to it and I loved that I loved having big business and doing these things and pushing the envelope and all that kind of stuff and I have no doubt that a a large portion of that was A, that I could do it and I was good at it. But B, part of that is that ego ticking over in the background of going, I'm being successful. And, and with that comes the trappings of being able to do these other things that I want to do. So I think that's human nature to a degree of going, you know, as you evolve through that to begin with, a lot of it is, I want to be able to do these things, to have these things and be defined this way and value that way. I think as you get older, that changes.
0: Is it just an age thing, you think? Are there ways that you kind of worked on becoming more comfortable with that?
1: No, for me personally, it's been evolution. It's been my life has just taken me in this direction and I've ended up doing that. And that's where I found myself. So you kind of have to embrace all of that. And that's just how it is. Uh, Because I've had a lot of really varied careers, like pharmacists, you have, you know, the, the I always joke that it's the most white collar of white collar jobs, like you literally wear a white coat, like it gets no whiter than that. And then I spent years literally on the tools, renovating properties and, and I got into um, importing and exporting. So I was driving a, warehouse, driving a forklift in a warehouse. I've been a personal trainer and a weightlifting coach for years. It's like I've done all these different bits and pieces. So it's allowed me to define and value myself in different ways. And I think that gives you a lot of perspective. And getting back to your original point, finally, (laughs) I think that really helps as our lives become, okay, you're not going to have the job for life. You're going to end up doing a whole lot of different things that may be vastly varied over your career. You have to get good at evolving to be able to do those things. And you have to get good at accepting that you're going to be doing different things and being comfortable in defining and valuing yourself in ways that may not be traditional in terms of just what are you worth on paper from a how much money do you bring in and are you the breadwinner or what have you? So I think that's going to become really, really important as the work landscape evolves and the social landscape evolves going forward.
0: I'm myself much better at not caring quite as much about what other people think in terms of the, the value that they place on me than I mm. used to be. I still catch myself sometimes though thinking, oh, I wonder what other people think of that. I'm wondering, do you, do you have that those kind of flashes as well, where you're doing something and people, and you think, oh, actually, what's so-and-so going to think about this?
1: Not as much. And I just, listening to you talk then, I think one of the key changes for me is becoming a parent. I think mm. once you become a dad, you divest a lot of the self. It's kind of like, previously I might have let, prior to kids, you know, you'd let things slide a bit, you know, like, oh, I'm not too fussed about this, or that, or what have you, or I did personally. But now, having kids, I feel like, I will advocate on their behalf, so I'll be a lot harder about going, well, no, my role is to, to raise and advocate these kids whilst they're very young, particularly. Yeah, I find I've, I've put aside a lot of the, the perspective of self and gone, well, I'm in a role of taking care and raising and advocating and developing and growing these young men and that means that I have to go out and do some stuff that I may not have done personally previously. But as my role as a dad, I need to do that. And so I've probably divested a lot of that worry about, I'm not really fussed whether you like what I'm about to say or not, but I'm going to say because it, it's the right thing for them that we're going to do this way or accept that or not accept that or behave this way or what have you. So I think your your life evolves not in terms so much as work but just in your personal life. That changes how you operate or it certainly has for me.
0: Yeah, no, I've had conversations with my wife kind of about this topic as well. And I think that the most eloquent way that we've come up with kind of the concept around it is that you just have a whole lot less tolerance for bullshit. And I think, I mean, there's, there's the way that you define yourself and, and the worry that of how other people are going to perceive that. But probably what's even more challenging and, and what holds us back more is the way that we define ourselves and the impact that that has on our thinking and our perception of our value and our worth. Cause one, like one thing that you said before, which I'm, I'm quite interested in is that you don't consider yourself an athlete, which is <laughs> yeah. a, a massive definition. So
1: I get pulled up on that all the time. People are like, what do you, you've done some of the biggest mountains in the world. You've, you've raced some of the hardest races in the world. Like you've won one of the toughest races in the world. What, yeah when you call yourself an athlete and I think part of that is historic. I look at myself as a student and a young man and I, I just don't have a great deal of natural athleticism and I think we've talked about this last time my success athletically has come from my ability to grind it out like I've just mentally had the capacity to go I oh, I will do the work and when it comes to executing work and delivering I will do that so that I'm never going to be a gymnast. I don't have a natural athletic athleticism such as that. But if it comes to, hey, we're going to drag a sled and climb this mountain, and that's going to take months, or we're going to we're going to tackle this ridiculous ultra marathon, and that's going to take 24 hours a day for days and days and days. That is where I can excel. So I, I look at it not so much as being an athletic skill, but more as a, a skill set of having a mental and emotional capacity to, and deliver it that way
0: yeah i think i understand what you what you mean i mean uh, kind of to use a use an example that that's close to home is that my brother is a musician and he makes all his money from musical endeavors and i can i can strum a few chords on the guitar but i'm never going to be a musician that yeah. yes i'll be able to like if i put in a lot of work i'll be able to play music but I think I would never classify myself as a a musician. But in saying that as well, is that one of the things that I think about is a lot of people don't classify themselves as as athletes. Mm. But I mean, if you've got a body, you can be an athlete.
1: You can. I kind of look at it as going, you're a human and you should be able to do a certain level of functional stuff just Mm. just as a human being. And that should be the entry point. That should be like the, the, the bar. And I think if you can't, then you've kind of, it's not that you're not an athlete, it's like you're missing some basic human function. So we, we, you should have an expectation of your body being capable of doing a certain level of stuff and that doesn't make you an athlete. It just makes you a human being. And you should be able to do those things. And if you don't, then we've got a deficit versus, oh, well, if you can, you're ahead of the curve. I think people use labels to allow themselves to, to cover off maybe a deficiency. So for example, if I say you're an athlete, that allows me to go, well, you've got to be better at me than this. And if I can't do that, it's excusable because you're an athlete and I'm not. So I'm going to use that label for you because it makes me feel much more comfortable about me. And I think that gets really, really dangerous. So I don't label myself as an athlete because I'm I'm not going to make my living being you know, through athletic pursuits. You know, I don't have natural athleticism i'm going to suddenly run out and play five different sports and be really good at them like don't put me on a basketball court that's not going to end well you know those don't put me in gymnastics that's not going to end well so i just look at myself and go look i'm just a functioning human being and i have basic capacities that every human being has got and i've just worked really hard to maximize my ability to use those so when i look at the things i've done athletically it's been more about my ability to go I've got a mental framework and a mindset and a discipline and an emotional control to be able to execute a plan and really maximise what I'm capable of doing. And what I'm capable of doing is no more or less than any other normal functioning human being is in good health. So I don't consider myself to be an athlete because I have an advantage or I'm better at it than the person next to I really think I've done anything athletically that anyone else couldn't do if they're prepared to put in the work.
0: How do you contrast, do you think of yourself as a business person as well? Like how do you contrast not calling yourself an athlete to calling yourself a, a businessman?
1: I think I when I look at it from a businessman point of view, I do think I have a knack when it comes to business. Like I've, I've mm-hmm. had different iterations in my business career that makes me feel like, I can take that label and go, yes, I've earned the right to wear that label because I've gone out and been successful in multiple fields, in, in different areas of business, and gone, yep, I've done work and I've, I've utilized a skill set that I have that I think has given me an advantage and been successful in those realms. So I think that's a recognition of a particular skill set I have that may be different to what other people have. And I think when you look at a label from a businessman's point of view, that's often about a, a mental skill set that you might have that's different to someone else. But when I look at it from an athlete point of view and what I've done, I don't have a skill set that's different to any other functioning human being on the planet. So I look at it from that point of view going, I'm not genetically gifted, and therefore, from an athletic point of view. From a business point of view, I do think I have just have a mindset or have a skill set mentally that I'm able to excel in different areas in business. And therefore, I'm comfortable wearing that label. Strangely enough, though, I was really uncomfortable with the term entrepreneur for a long time until I'd kind of gone, I've been successful in different fields from a business point of view. You know, I've won and lost and failed and succeeded, but I've had enough wins in different fields to go, yeah, I think I've earned the right to go, yep, if you throw me in there, I will survive and thrive in that environment.
0: Mm, Okay, interesting, yeah. It's a fascinating way to to think about it. I mean, are there there times in in recent memory or times in your life that you felt that labelling yourself has held you back from something that you maybe could have done?
1: Yeah, look, to a small degree. I'm I'm thinking back to our mutual friend, Jen Brown, and and her work Mm. on the imposter syndrome. And I think it's easy to allow kind of that version of that imposter syndrome of labelling yourself as someone who can't do something or shouldn't be here doing this because you're not – athlete, business person, entrepreneur, whatever. I think it's easy to talk yourself out of doing something or talk yourself out of, you know, an opportunity because you've labelled yourself a particular way. And I've been on mountain climbs where I've got to a point where the wheels are starting to fall off. And I've had that whole, what are you doing here like seriously you shouldn't be here you're not a, you're not an athlete at this level or you shouldn't you know look at the people who are here like they're gifted and designed to be doing this and you're not what are you doing here you should be turning around and going back this is a poor choice what the hell are you doing and I allowed myself to kind of start that mental process of talking myself out of it and I've also been on mountain climbs have had that talk and heard that kind of that voice in the head And you're like no that's that's rubbish you are you have absolutely every right to be here you've done the work shut that voice off and just get back to doing what can be done. Because imagine if you could do it, like, you, you know, you should be out here as a normal person, as a, you know, as I say to myself, a nerdy dad from Warrnambool, go do that. Just defy it and go do it. Why can't you do it? So I've had that conversation and context work both ways uh, in my life, without a doubt.
0: It's an interesting one, the labels that we put on ourselves and in terms of kind of what they, what they hold us back from mm. because a, lo- a lot of people like the stories that you shared there are uh, when the going gets tough while you're in the midst of doing something i think mm. a lot of people and I'm, I'm guilty of this myself is is using those labels on myself to actually prevent me starting yep. and thinking oh no i couldn't do that because I, i'm such and such i mean i used it with the story that we talked about before is that i'm i'm not a musician so yep. for years I just didn't didn't pick up the guitar and I didn't didn't play it at all and I, to be honest I'm at the moment I'm not very good but my 16 month old son doesn't care he no. uh, he <laughs> he enjoys uh, me making noise on the on the guitar even though I can only play like three songs so you it's write three
1: songs. It yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah it, it, it's fascinating kind of the the things that we hold ourselves back from that could give us enjoyment or, or that we're curious about and that we don't go and explore because, oh, I'm a physiotherapist. I could never be a podcaster, which leads to a lot of, a lot of regrets in the future.
1: It does. A good example, and, and why we've been talking, another example that came to mind is in between mountain finishing kind of, you know, pausing from mountaineering and doing ultra runs and things like that, I did a lot of public speaking, local level kind of stuff, some schools and businesses and those kind of things. And then I came back and and having done all that I've done in in recent years, I came back and and my brother was instrumental going, you need to be out keynote and speaking and doing it professionally because you should be doing that. And I'm like, no, I don't look, you know, I really enjoy it. I love doing it, but I'm not an astronaut. I'm not an Olympian. I don't have gold medals. I haven't gone through some epic hardship, you know, and, and overcome some rock. No, they shouldn't do it. And anyway, at his behest. I went and spoke to an agent and she said, just tell me a story. So we sat down and, and told my story. And I said, look, I don't know whether I should be doing. this. like non-astronaut, non-all of those things. And she said, that is the exact reason you must get out and do this because you are not those people. You are an average normal person who has done ridiculous things. So you're the exact right person to go out. Because people will listen to an astronaut or an Olympian and go, that's a cool story, but I will never do that because I'm not you. I'm, I'm never gonna be a gold medalist. I'm never gonna go to Mars or do anything like that. But when they hear it from someone, they go, he looks a lot like me. Like he looks like just a normal person who lives in a normal place and, and has a relatively normal life. If he can do that, maybe I can do something or whatever it is I wanna do. So sometimes, that label can hold you back from, as you said, doing something that you really, really love. And it might hold you back from actually giving someone else the opportunity to go, hey, hang on, maybe that label's wrong. Or maybe not being that person is exactly the reason you should go and do that thing you shouldn't be able to do anyway. So it, it's been an interesting journey in that regard. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, like to get getting out and in, in public speaking and telling your story, was it just those couple of pushes from your from your brother and from the agent that got you started on the journey or did you have to do a little bit of a mental work as well to get you to that point?
1: Oh, I think I'd always done, like I love speaking and I'd always done a lot of public speaking, as I said, at a local level, but to get out on a larger scale and do it on a, on a more professional level, like I wasn't really going, I should be doing that. But for me, it was, I was researching, going, well, who's the best in the business and what do they do and how do they do it and those kind of things and going, well, there's part of that aspect of learning the craft and the skill, but there's also that part of going, do you love it? Like is, is your story and, and sharing your story and seeing how that impacts people. I love that, like I, I live for that. That is a good enough reason to go do those kind of things. And I've had um, recently I had someone come up after a speech and she's like, you must've told that story a lot. Like, you're tired of telling, like you look like you loved it. Like you're tired of telling." I'm like, No, I love it. Like it's part therapy, but I love telling the story or telling stories of things that I've done and how that's panned out. And seeing the engagement from people, and seeing the just seeing the wheels turn in their head, and you can see them going, "I don't know what I could do, or I do that." And I've held myself back with that label, or valuing myself, or defining myself. And he's done all of that, and he looks kind of normal. I wonder what I can do. So I've really found that to be really, really empowering, and that's encouragement to keep going, even though I may not fit the mold of you know the astronaut, god medal speaker. Mm,
0: yeah, and I think yeah, having something that you, that you love is, I mean, it's a it's a massive driver to kind of get over that barrier. And some of the things that we hold ourselves back from, though, we're like we're, we're not sure that we will love them because we haven't tried them. But I think it's that I, I think that that curiosity is hopefully enough for people to get over over the hump of that that label and and dip their toes and and test things out.
1: Yep, and give yourself permission to be not an expert at it straight up mm. like there's that expectation of going i didn't master it and therefore you know it's over and we'll forget about it it's like well you're probably gonna be crap at it for a while like you know your brother may may be you know gifted from the point of view of music but i'm pretty sure he's practiced really hard to actually oh, be better rid- at it.
0: ridiculous amounts
1: yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like people people look at and i, I read this the other day and i forget where i read it from but people no one ever criticizes an artist or a musician or a craftsman for spending time developing their skill and going, you know, we look at a craftsman and go, oh, this guy's been, you know, building this furniture and he's done it for 40 years and he's a master craftsman and it's beautiful. And everyone takes that as being valuable. But then people go, oh, well, you weren't good at that job straight away, i down on myself because I really wanted to do that and I tried it for a week and I was rubbish at it. And I'm, I can't do it and we throw it in the bin and go away. Whereas, For some reason, other career paths, we value them by spending the time to learn and develop and build their craft. So why not give yourself the same time and capacity to learn and build and develop your craft and become good at it? You don't have to be fantastic at it next week. In fact, you shouldn't be. If you are, it was too easy and you should be doing the next thing.
0: Mm, and I think it's like, well, this is segued very nicely into the short short term thinking. Um <laughs> it, and that that is a that, that's a massive challenge as well, is that we want to be we want to be good at things straight off the bat and that we want to um be ridiculously proficient. Um and when I pick up the guitar, why can't I play as well as my brother? Um yeah. but I can agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His his fingers are a slightly different shape as well. So I think there's, there's, there's a genetic advantage that he's he's
1: gifted.
0: Yeah. 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 I've got shorter fingers, so it's harder to yeah. get round. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think, and, and often when we're like, when we're a kid, we, we don't care that we're rubbish when we start off at things. We're just, we're just excited to be doing them. Um, but when we become adults and we start to get a certain level of proficiency at doing something um Mm. like whether it's i've been a physio for 13 years so i'm reasonably proficient at it it's kind of expecting that same level of proficiency at Mm. whatever else i pick up and that's it's massively, massively challenging. Uh, and it's, it's a big blow to, to the ego when you're not. Um, and I think it doesn't leave you the opportunity to explore the curiosity that you have, that you've got in this, uh, in whatever it is that you're doing and whatever it is that you're, that you're picking up because you're really focused on the, on the short term gains. Yeah.
1: I think uh, bringing on touching on the uh, point about the kids, like I figure I read it the other day, but someone said, you know, imagine as a as a child, if you you know, when you're learning to walk. If you fell over the fifth time and you went, well, obviously this is not for me. I'm, I'm not designed to walk, so we're not gonna do that ever <laughs> again. Like you just, you know, kids fall down like 450,000 times before they actually get the walking thing down right. It's like, imagine if they gave up after five, and went, ah, oh, it's just too hard. I'm obviously never gonna do this. We'll scrap it. I'll just crawl for the rest of my life. No, it's just, you're innately designed to just keep having a crack at it. Um, so give yourself some time to develop the skill like don't don't write yourself off because you couldn't get it done in a week and become the best at it and post ad nauseum about that
0: Mm. and how do you like how do you conceptualize like the long game in that situation and like how do you think in the long term as opposed to the short term from a practical sense
1: Depends on what you depends on the context. I think are you looking at you know a skill, a life skill? Are you looking at just a business venture? Are you looking at just something you want to get better at? You know, from a personal point of view, in your own capacity at work or as a dad or a husband or whatever it is. I think it's contextual in terms of what is it that we're actually talking about, and you need to evaluate it, you know, piece by piece, um, and also have the courage to get at some point. You do need to cut the losses and go. I'm, I'm never going to be the musician I thought I was going to be. So we'll, we'll, we've tried that for long enough and hard enough. and worked on it to go, okay, that's not you. Let's try something else and, you know, get back on the horse and, and start again. So I think it, it varies depending on what you're trying to achieve and, and the size of the, the mountain, the size of the goal. Like if it's, If it's something small, well, okay, we should be able to master that over a reasonable period of time. If it's a big deal, okay, well, this might take me five years to get really, really good at it. So we're going to have to give ourselves five years at it and assuming that the first couple of years, we're going to be rubbish because we're learning and testing and measuring and refining and going from there. So I really think you need to evaluate it case by case.
0: So for the, like, if we talk kind of through an example, if for those, those things that are going to take five or 10 years to, to do. Mm. And you're in the discomfort of, of the short term, actually, Hey, I'm not, I'm not really that good at this. Yeah. How do you, how do you flip out of that mindset to, to basically be patient and put in the work?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of aspects to it. One is um, you have to have the small wins. You've got to have the micro goals of going, okay. Best example I can give you is when it comes to mountain climbing, some of the best advice I ever got was when you start, so if you're at the base of the mountain, like we're at base camp and we're going to head off, don't look at the top. If you look at the summit, you're going to go, "How the hell am I going to get from here to there?" That is an enormous way away, and look at all the stuff between me and there. If you look at it from there, you are basically guaranteeing you're not going to make it. You already, it looks insurmountable. So this guy who gave me the advice, he said, "Your goal is so we're going to be climbing here for a month. Your goal is the next hour, because in an hour we're going to stop. We're going to take a five-minute break. So your goal is the hour. Just execute that out as best you can. And then we'll do the next hour, and then we'll do the next hour, and then we're gonna knock off a day, and then we're gonna go from there. And piece by piece, you will get the job done. And that has worked both ways for me. I've been on climbs where I've done that mistake, been at base camp, looked at the summit and went, oh, you me, no way I can do that. And I was right, couldn't do it. And I've come back to the same mountain and gone, I'm not even looking up, we're just gonna do the best we can for this next hour and do that and do that and do that and the job got done. So I think it's important to the big goal is good, but you've got to have the little ones along the way to go tick, got that bit right. Got that bit really wrong. I got that bit right. We're gonna tick that as a win, I'm gonna take that. And the the other aspect of it is you've you've got to enjoy being uncomfortable. Like if it's worth it, it's not gonna get handed to you on a plate. Like you have to do the work and the work at many times will be uncomfortable. But if you want whatever the goal is, if you wanna become an expert at it or proficient at it or have the return or or whatever it is, you must do the work. And you will not always be enthusiastic about that. Welcome to the human race, like do the work. Um, so I think there's that balance of going here. Sometimes I don't wanna get up and train, but I do. Mm. because we need to do work and sometimes i can't wait the train i'm really looking forward to it, and that's going to be my happy place in my time so have the little micro goals focus on the small stuff let them accumulate in you know, a compound interest um but by the same token respect that you must do the work and that just has to get done whether you're excited about that or not yeah
0: yeah and that's a that's a cool way of looking at it. it's those those little kind of dopamine hits from the from the wins that you that you get initially um but it's also like yeah in the in the macro sense in the in the big sense it's it's having an understanding of the price that you need to pay and then being willing to actually pay that price to to get to the to wherever it is that you want to get to
1: yep didn't put in the work well, what were you expecting? That's <laughs> not how it functions.
0: <laughs> mm. And I think sometimes it's uh, when you start something off, it's, uh, it's difficult to under, fully understand the, the price that you, that you need to pay and the amount of work that you do need to put in with it. Um, mm. And I think uh, when, you, when you start off, that, that sometimes that's okay especially if it's just something that you're curious about that you want to test out. Hey, is this something that's, that's potentially for me. Um, and then as hopefully you, you do it and decide, yeah, I I love this. And usually that's when kind of the price that you need to pay becomes more clear. So you can weigh up, actually, do I, do I love this enough to be able to pay this price and to be able to, to do this or no, is it, is it not for me?
1: Yep. And that's, that's, an ongoing conversation you have to have with yourself to evaluate things and go, that is a price I'm not willing to pay. And that's okay, if you've made that choice consciously and looked at it and assessed it and gone, for me, the risk reward at this time, or whatever it is, does not compute, that doesn't work, and that's okay. As long as you haven't gone, I'm not gonna do it because I'm just cracking the sads, I'm not gonna do it because it's too hard. It's like if you've made the conscious choice of evaluating and gone, that's not a price I'm prepared to pay, that's okay. Um, I forget who said it, but I think they said um, you can have anything you want, providing you're prepared to give up everything to get it. So, you know, you, you pick the spot and continue where you want with that. Mm.
0: Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a nice point to kind of close down that the general conversation. Um, Let's, I know it's only been a month uh, since we chatted last Paul. but uh, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> apart from trying to get the audio on my computer to work
0: <laughs> we'll edit that out
1: yeah we'll edit that. that'll be fine um oh that's really good it has only been a month so it hasn't been thankfully there hasn't been anything you know horrifically difficult or, or, or uncomfortable uh, other than the usual day-to-day things of you know getting up early to do the training and those kind of things um, i think probably one of the more challenging things I've done, not just in the last month, but over the last kind of six months has really been evaluating myself as a dad. Um, and that can get uncomfortable to kind of reflect on your day and go, how did you go today? And, and what, what did we do well? And what didn't we do well? Um, being a stay at home dad for the majority of the week, that is a lot of how I value myself. And part of that of respecting that job is to evaluate how you've done and what we need to get better at. Um, And I've really found for a while that was quite confronting to go, wow, you really didn't do a good job today. Like you were, you're tired because the kids got up like three times overnight and you were really emotional today. So you didn't really do the best you could do. Or, you know, my eldest son has been a complete pill for the day and I'm, you know, going to sell him. him on. But then you reflect and go, well, why is he like that? Well, he's like that because he's really tired. Well, why is he really tired? Well, because you dragged him from pillar to post all day because you were trying to do like 19 things on your to-do list when maybe you should have done less of them and just spent a bit more time and and respected his need to have some quiet time or whatever it is. So for me, I know that isn't in the last month, but that's something that has been a challenge for me to reflect on and go, hey, you weren't good at that job today. So what are you going to do better at that job tomorrow? Um, and, you know, kind of kind of work on that. And for me, that's been something that's been really confronting. For someone who's been successful, in inverted commas, at doing a lot of stuff, when you go... And I, I look at parenting as my most important job at this time in my life. Like that is the number one priority I have in terms of that's the thing you need to be best at. Um, that can be difficult to reflect on and be honest with yourself and go, that was good, that was not so good, so what are we going to do? Um, and then, in some cases, it's not a case of "I'll just get better tomorrow." It's like, oh, okay, I need to research or learn or do something, but I need to get better at handling this or doing that or managing that, and mm-hmm. then going out and getting the resources to do that. Um, so that's been that's been interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, that and that honesty is is hard and it's it's challenging mm. and it's confronting. Um, what's the what's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do?
1: I don't know. Look, I. I'm in the process of, and we talked about this in the last podcast, of kind mm-hmm. of going, people always go, what's next? What, what ridiculous thing are you going to do next? And you're like, well, nothing at this point in time um, because I don't want to make a poor choice. And I think the, the next challenge will be making the good choice of what comes next. You know, When you, when you look at the, the broad array of things you could go do, um, having the discipline to go, I want to do that, but that's not going to, that that doesn't fit in our lives at this point in time, or that's not a great choice, or how? Excuse me, how am I gonna juggle this and do that? So I think that'll be the hard part now of going, what's the next right thing to do? Uh, and it's not a case of what's the next right thing to do for me; it's for me as dad, husband, father business person, all those kind of things, how do you juggle all those things? So I'm in the process of kind of researching what will be next. Um, and that's uh, more complex as your life gets more complex.
0: Mm. Cool. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for for taking the time to, to have a chat with me today, mate. And uh, okay. thanks for... Thanks for showing all the all the nerdy dads out there that uh, <laughs> what is what might be possible if they if yeah. they're willing to to pay the price for it. Um, nerdy
1: dads, Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, you've got probably got a secret handshake. Eh? <laughs> I can't. I, that. I haven't learned that one yet, um, <laughs> mate. If people want to find out more about you, if they want to if they want to check out your stuff and and what it is that you are up to, where's the best place for them to do that?
1: You can find me under the moniker of The Rogue Scholar um, because I think of myself as an academic, but I'm a bit of a rogue about it in, given the athletic stuff and the weird adventure stuff I do. So theroguescholar.com.au, you can find me there. And under that, you can find me at all the usual socials of Instagram and uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and all those usual goodies. Um, i probably break the rules in terms of, you know, I'm sure I'm meant to post every day on all these platforms where I generally, if I've got something to say, I'll say it. And if I haven't, you won't hear from me until I do have something to say, but you'll find me there.
0: Nice. Um, And Paul, what challenge do you have to leave me and the listeners with this week?
1: Well, last time I sent you outside nice and bright and early in the morning, Mm. I think. Yeah, Um, yeah.
0: I posted that on Instagram, actually.
1: I did see that. Well done. Yeah, excellent. Um, What I would suggest this time is during your day, as often as you can, be conscious of how you're breathing. Um, Mm. Breath work was a big thing for me in training, uh, and it's a very deep rabbit hole if you want to go down it in terms of the physiological and the psychological impact of how you breathe. But I'm not going to kind of teach people what to do. I just want you to be consciously aware of how you're breathing, particularly if you're at times where you're emotional or you're up or you're down or you're trying to go to sleep or you're waking up or whatever. Just think about how you're breathing in terms of my breathing through my mouth, through my nose, the pacing that I'm breathing out, how am I feeling and those kind of things. And just be cognizant of that. And sometimes it's as simple as going, I'm just going to slow down my breath for a while. I'm going to close my mouth and breathe through my nose and take some long, slow inhales and long, slow exhales and just see how that makes me feel. Um, so just being aware of, you know, as we talked earlier about you're a functioning human being, maximise that capacity. That has been a big cornerstone for me, not just athletically, but even how I deal with stuff in my day-to-day life, kids, stress, work, all those kind of things. So for the week when just at random times just go how am i breathing how am i feeling and and play around with that
0: Mm, great challenge paul watkins thank you for getting uncomfortable with me again
1: pleasure as always chris thanks mate
0: well, there you have it, team. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Paul. He's a deep thinker and thinks a lot about how to get better at doing hard things. And what I was actually thinking, and I'd love your feedback on this, is that we make Paul a bit of a regular guest on, this, on the show, catch up with him sort of every six months or so, talk about what he's been up to in terms of hard things, talk about what he's been thinking about, and maybe do a little bit of Q&A. So if you guys... And Q&A from you guys asking. If that's something you're interested in, hit us up on social media and let us know because I really enjoyed chatting with Paul. Hopefully you really enjoy listening to him as well. Send through any questions that you might have for him. Now, something that I'm doing in December and January, I do a bit of coaching with people around tackling challenges, strategically identifying challenges to take on, reducing overwhelm, building resilience and mental fitness and what I'd like to do is I've got some free coaching slots that I'd I'd just like to open up uh, to do a session with people in December and in January just to help set you up for for 2020 and, and pick some hard stuff to do and come up with a little bit of a plan about how you might go about that. So if that sounds like something that you might be interested in, or someone that you know might be interested in, send me a message, chris at chrisdesmond.nz, and we can tee up a session for you. Thank you, as always, to Jylan for your awesome editing buddy. Thank you to Jeremy Desmond, my amazing brother, for the awesome theme music. Thank you, as always, to you, as well, for taking the time to have a listen and get uncomfortable with Paul and I today.